We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Stéphane LeCoe. You can find me on Twitter at Stéphane LeCoe. And of course, I am joined by the creator, the OG, Travis May. You can find him at FF underscore Travis M. If this is your first time joining us on the College to Canton show, uh, it is about the journey from getting recruited out of high school all the way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and all of the bumps along the way. And of course, we talk a lot of fantasy football because this is a radio, whoa, a Rotoviz radio podcast. Um, we do dive into some real stuff as well. Today, we're going to look at the kind of lo- the, the landscape here post-draft. We've had a slew of rookie drafts. I know I've had quite a few drafts already. I'm sure um travis has too so we're just going to kind of look through this see who's being overvalued undervalued um all of that but before we get into it um i had this brilliant idea okay are you ready for this travis uh no probably not (laughs) okay so you know how like there's all like all these stadiums now are being purchased like the the naming rights are given to these random companies so you've got like all these weird names for fields right yeah so i think it's only a matter of time until these big ads start taking naming rights from cities. So I want to hear w- a couple cities. So like New York City is just going to be Pepsi City is my guess. <laughs> you're from Nashville. Be... Oh my gosh. What, like you're in the Nashville area. What 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 ad, what marketing genius is going to take on the naming rights for Nashville? What, what, what do you see as a good fit there? 
Oh man, I think that I think it'd yeah. be awesome if it was just like uh, various. It would just change its name every year based on like various country artists. Like there you go. Yeah. Like I was thinking like Yamaha or or something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fin, Fender City. Yeah, just... yes. Fender City is now. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Fen- um, Fenderville. Yeah. Yes, Fenderville. That's it. That's it. Okay. We need you guys to um, get this moving on on social media. So so please hit us up with uh, your hometown and uh, what you think it should be called. I'm Denver. We're just gonna we're just gonna lean into it, man. We're just gonna be Coors Light City and uh, <laughs> <laughs> CLC, baby. Yep. That's how yep. you'll know us. Yeah, we've, um, got, we've got cans that turn blue when we're cold. <laughs> That's right. My cans do turn blue when they're cold. Um, so anyway, um, let's jump into it. Uh, we were kind of talking about how we wanted to do this. Let's go position by position. Um, let's start, you know, with quarterback. I think it's safe to assume, and maybe we shouldn't, but I think most of our listeners are doing super flex nowadays anyway. So um, we're going to tailor this conversation around the super flex idea. I think the ADP that we'll be looking at is, is also uh super flex. Is it not Travis? Yeah. So we're going to be taking a look at some average draft uh, data from dynasty league football. Uh, my own leagues and as well as the uh the rookie poll mock that i hold on twitter every single year uh, always gets around 10,000 12,000 votes uh in total just uh people basically choosing every single draft pick through the first two rounds which is always a fun exercise and uh, i find that uh it's become more predictable every single year Um, yeah but uh but yeah i think overall we're, we're getting pretty ac- accurate as a community in terms of predict, uh, predicting uh, early success and uh, hit rate overall. It's not not too terrible. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. But up top, I mean, like what? Kenny Pickett uh, is obviously the top quarterback uh, in terms of where he's being selected. Uh, he's still uh, – I, I mean, he was – he was. I think I had him like my QB5 uh, coming into draft day, and I still don't think that long-term – he is the most productive quarterback from this class. I think it's very, very low bet. I think a lot of people have assumed that that's going to be the case. And that's why I will have absolutely zero of Kenny Pickett anywhere, except for the league in which I drafted him in round 45 last year in a college to Canton format. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. No, I I think it's, I think Kenny Pickett, people that are taking him um, early, I think are, are feeling the need to have some production in a super flex league. Um, Mm -hmm. They feel the need like, Hey, he may not be the best, but I need him right away. And I don't want to have to wait around for Ritter in week eight. um, Once Mariota gives it up or or gets injured in week two, let's be honest. And then we have um, the whole situation with um, Malik Willis with Tennessee Tannehill is he even going to play this year. It's weird too, because the Tennessee Titans were the one seed uh, Tannehill. You'd think would have his job on lockdown, but um, it, it, it could be uh, a realistic scenario that plays out. We do see Willis playing this year, but like you said, all of these quarterbacks are in kind of weird positions um, where there's no guarantees and so uh, Kenny Pickett is going um, eighth overall in in uh, rookie drafts, um, yeah, and that's about right. And he he went ninth in my rookie poll mock, by the way. Uh, and so like right behind Sky Moore and Chris Olave, which is like 
in that same kind of tier, like right next to, like he was really close to them in votes on uh, both of the vote at the 107 and the 108. And uh, so uh, to me, like they're not even remotely close to the same tier player. Like I, I would rather take every single first round kind of rookie player um, other than Pickett, you know, <laughs> like, so right. I'm just, yeah, he's just way too high consensus right now. There's no way he Can should I- be taking him. I think it's the yeah. same the same fallacy that we see most years in the NFL. We didn't see it so much this year, but where these GMs or whoever is making these decisions are, are taking quarterbacks super early. And I've, I've noticed that in super flex leagues, people do the same. And I think it can be a mistake. I think, you know, I think the Seahawks made a huge mistake taking Kenny Walker where they did. Let's not get into that. But what I agreed with is they were like, hey, we don't like any of these quarterbacks. In fact, Pete Carroll said, I don't. I don't think any of these quarterbacks are better than Drew Locke. Now, he didn't say I think Drew Locke is the answer, but he yeah. didn't think that any of these guys were better than him. So let's build our team out, and then next year, let's go get ourselves a quarterback. And that's exactly what I think you need to do if you're in a super flex league, um, unless you're in like win now mode. But even then, I think there's more value to taking one of these other players than trying to tra- and trying to trade for an old veteran like what you did with you were telling me beforehand how you were able to swing a, a, a move for Tom Brady. I think that's the way to attack the quarterback position. If you're just one, if you're one QB away from being relevant in a super flex league, I think you need to go get the best available player here and not reach for Kenny Pickett. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, even regardless of the fact that he's going to be out of the league here soon, like who would you rather have in fantasy football right now? Like Tom Brady or Kenny Pickett? Right. Tom Brady, hands down. Yeah, but you wouldn't you would never trade your first round pick away for Tom Brady because of the age thing. So why on earth would you invest that same pick that you wouldn't move away for somebody better uh in somebody like Kenny Pickett, who yes, he he kind of barely eclipses some key thresholds for uh rushing yard market share in, in uh, like his peak seasons for college and his final season at age like 23 uh was good enough uh from a pass efficiency standpoint to think that he could be you know, at bare minimum NFL starter for a while, but he he does not project to be a fantasy starter for you or a real difference maker that actually wins you any weeks ever. Um, right. So yeah, just dumb. He's a but, he, but, he's a, he's a full floor play for your QB two, and yeah, which is, is that what you really want? No, nope, that's first not what pick. I'm using <laughs> with any first round pick this year. So I don't think any quarterbacks belong in the first round uh, this year at all. Um, yeah, talk us through some of the other guys. We had, in order of being drafted in the NFL, um, in the third round, we had Ritter, Willis, and uh, Matt Corral. Then in the fourth, we had Zappi. Um, and then in the fifth, of course, the, the first pick of the fifth was uh, Sam Howell. Um, yep. what, are you, what are you doing with these? Uh, how late do you have to be waiting? How desperate do you have to be to, uh, to grab one of these? I, I will preface this. Yeah. I grabbed in a Debbie-depleted... Um, league it's fairly short only three three rounds of debbie picks um but but in the third round i was able to get uh malik willis and at that point it felt like a like a pretty good pretty good bet yeah and that's the thing most most of these guys are going um that late like i i know the average draft position data like with mock drafts have like malik willis desmond ritter uh you know around the middle of round two but in my actual drafts i'm not seeing them go that early for the most part uh with the exception of my 14 team league where uh people are just desperate for any qb body that could start at some 14 league yeah Uh, yeah so like i mean 
you know, they're going earlier in those leagues where QB is even more scarce. Uh, but in, you know, your typical 10, 12 team leagues, I, I wouldn't uh, necessarily be reaching, but I'm fine just taking whoever drops to me because this class was not perfect. And we knew that for a long time, um, but it, it all had guys that uh, were good enough that projected to be NFL starters at some point in their careers. Uh, and so I think that we're going to have some spot starts from Malik Willis, some Desmond Ritter, some uh, Matt Corral. And you know what? Honestly, even Sam Howell, I know that sounds crazy betting on somebody who's, who's taken a round five, um, but I'll get to the why behind his profile in a second. And, and you may, guys have may have heard some of this already, but Carson Wentz, you know, he's already lost two jobs in two years and uh, you know, Taylor Heineke or whatever his name is. I mean, that's a cool story, but he's not, they already know what he is. Like he's, he's a, he's a backup. Cool. Nice. Um, but take a look at Sam Howell, who's 21 years old. Like, and they're going to want to see what they have in him. Um, and he had a, a profile at a, at age 18 that said, Hey, I'm already a draftable, draftable quarterback in terms of his pass efficiency. And then he capped it off with an incredible rushing season last year too. So rounded out analytically all over the board, what we like to see uh, for, hit rates for NFL quarterbacks and uh, people just don't care that he was like the youngest quarterback in the class. And we're comparing them to guys that are two, uh, almost like three years older than him. Um, and that matters. I mean, we know that when you produce and how you produce at, at various levels matters in terms of NFL success. Now NFL teams have been okay invest, investing in older quarterbacks in recent years because they just want somebody to be ready to go like right now, today, uh, we need you at your peak right now. And that's why Kenny Pickett got the nod because he's got a billion starts. He's got all the experience and he's already maybe pro, pro ready. But I, I don't think from a film standpoint that that even really lines up either. Uh, he gets really skittish against pressure. Whereas Sam Howell, um, he <laughs> he actually did not have a super high turnover worthy throw rate, but he just kind of got screwed in some spots and had some bad luck. Uh, had um, one poor game early on in the season that gets etched in people's memory. Uh, I think it was a Virginia Tech game last year. And so people think they know who Sam Howell is based on, uh, you know, a couple bad plays or whatever. Um, and so it's just really interesting. Uh, it'll be this, this whole draft class will be just a fun case study because of it being the largest player pool of, of draft eligible players that we've ever seen in the NFL history. And we will probably ever see again. Uh, just because of all the weird COVID eligibility, a bunch of people going back for an extra year. And so we had all these fifth and sixth year players coming out at the same time. We saw like over 26th year guys get drafted this year, which is just unprecedented, by the way. That's never happened before in the history of the draft. So just so weird. There's such an old class. So how's getting compared yeah. to all these players that are like in their mid 20s? <laughs> you know? And uh, so um, he's he's fun because he's going like pick 30 or later in like all of my drafts. That's like free, you know, like yeah. for, for quarterbacks in, in terms of Superflex League. So it doesn't cost you a lot to just take a, take a chance on him versus really other day three kind of players, like all around him, or like day two tight ends, which might or might not hit. So I think uh, whoever falls to you in round three, that's going to be my quarterback selection in most of my leagues. That's what it's been so far. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And in maybe a, it's funny when we talk about like rookie drafts and dynasty leagues, talking about them being uh, shallow is always funny because most people already think we're nerds for, for getting this deep, but in some shallow ones where you're, you, you only have a couple, like three rounds of, of, of drafting um, Sam Howell might be available on waivers, you know, uh, Bailey Zappi might be available on waivers and I'm happy uh, if you've got a deep enough roster 
like, you know, a lot of the leagues we're playing in, you know, 32 man deep roster. Yeah. Go ahead and, and, and grab one of those guys and, and see what happens. Yeah, let's, absolutely. Um, let's move on to running back. Cause um, this one's pretty interesting because you've got um, the, the eight, the rookie ADP draft uh, or sorry, the rookie ADP that we're looking at falls in line with the draft through the first four picks. So RB one through four where this are, being drafted in order. So you've got Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and James Cook all in round two, and then Rashad White in round three. Uh, those guys are all going one, two, three, four, and uh, according to ADP, if if I looked at it correctly. And then after yeah, that, that is correct. We, we have after that we have a bit of a divergence. But to me, this kind of feels like uh, uh, two tiers anyway. So let's break down that first tier with uh, the two. Uh, names that I think most everyone will be happy if if you end a, if you leave a rookie draft with one of these guys, you'll be pretty happy. We've got Brees Hall uh, with the Jets, and of course uh, Kenny Walker the third in Seattle. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, to me, I don't know which one I like better, short term or long term. To be honest with you, uh, Kenny Walker scares me in the short term because. Uh, Rashad Penny is there. Of course, Penny didn't even practice today because he's sitting out with a hamstring injury. So uh, that's always a good sign. You know, Penny's going to lose a lot of playing time. So, yeah. so maybe I've just answered my question. Uh, but Brees Hall is on the Jets. Uh, the Jets just drafted Michael Carter last year, who was fine. Um, now they have Brees Hall, who is better, but it's still the Jets. Are we supposed to get excited about them? Somehow in every league where I have Brees Hall in my Debbie league, I also have Garrett Wilson. So I've got way Lots too much of jets. jets capital and i don't love it uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah give it so break, break down these top two for <laughs> me please uh i will say what the consensus told us uh after the nfl draft and i did the rookie poll mocks with you know thousands of votes all together um i've done this every year since like i don't know 2016 and there have been a few super consensus running backs over the years like ezekiel elliott back in 2016 was the runaway running back one in that class. Uh, Saquon yeah. Barkley in 2018 was the runaway running back one in that class. And he was actually the only one who garnered a higher percentage of the vote on his particular like 1.01 poll than Brees Hall did. Like Saquon, yeah, Saquon Barkley actually pulled in over 90% of the vote for the first overall pick in his respective year, uh, given this polling data that I've been doing for six, seven years or whatever it is. And uh, but Brees Hall pulled in 84% of the vote, and Kenneth Walker was on there as an option and pulled virtually nothing. So, yeah, I think the consensus is look, Brees Hall is still very much like clearly the best talent. Uh, do we love that he landed on the Jets? Absolutely not. Uh, but are the Jets actually building something intriguing at this point? Uh, yes, they Possibly, actually are. Yeah. Like, I hate to admit that, uh, just given what or even try to project that given what we've seen them do for, you know, 40 years. Um, but hey, Pennington would like to have a word. Yeah. Pennington was interesting for like a hot second, <laughs> but I mean, really it, it could be fun. They had a really strong first round, even like on the defensive side of the ball, but adding Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, they already have Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson. We don't know what he is, but uh, he, he's at least intriguing. So, um, mm -hmm. I think they've got a young core that's they're invested in and they're going to see what they have. And so th I think the workload's going to be there for, for Brees. I mean, Michael Carter was fine, but he was, again, he was a day three running back for whatever that's worth. So right. I'm not at all convinced he's going to see very much work at all other than to just be a, a guy who spells 
Brees after he's tired from his 25 touches a game. So, <laughs> yeah, so I think Brees Hall is going to get all the workload, and he's he was the best profile. He had you know back to back 1700 yard seasons, incredible receiving production, incredible athleticism, uh, everything that we like to see in running backs. So he's the clear option. And uh, okay, should never drop quick. below pick one in any format of any kind for any reason. What are you looking for if you have the 101 and mm-hmm. you are not sold on Brees Hall? What would you be looking for in a trade? If I had I the 101 on the spot. and I was not sold on Brees Hall, uh, if I was if I had the first pick and I was not sold on Brees Hall, I would find a new hobby because I wasn't good at this. But <laughs> but no, I mean, I mean, in all seriousness, I I, I would look to invest in um, most most of the time if people are not sold on Brees Hall or they're considering not taking him running backs just not a need you know like they're probably trying to build out another position so what if you were trying to trade away like yeah uh, what's what's a veteran running back that you would happily swap the 101 for it's a very short who would you who would you rather have Um, okay, so let's let's get a pulse here because we haven't talked in a minute here. I would rather um, have one one on one than Saquon Barkley. Aaron Jones. I would rather have one on one than Aaron Jones. I'd rather have one on one than Austin J.K. Eckler. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. Yep, I'd rather have not one even one. close. No, not even close. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, Kenny Walker. What do you think his outlook is uh, in Seattle? We just mentioned um, Penny already having injury. I know the season's forever away. It just speaks to. <laughs> Penny's problem. And then Chris Carson, of course, um, may not ever play football again with his neck injury. It's really sad. Yeah, we'll um, he's one of my favorite, one of my favorite running backs in a long time. Everyone knows um, used to be a huge Seattle fan. So used to be um, <laughs> hashtag go Russ. Um, let's um, so, so what do you think happens there? Yeah. Of course they still have Travis Homer. They've got DJ Dallas, but again, these are third, fourth round running backs. Uh, they invested heavily and yeah. Kenny Walker. It's um, just interesting when they when you move off of Russell Wilson, uh, it, it signals that you know we might be rebuilding. You know, and they're they basically get this band aid quarterback and Drew Locke, and um, and so it just basically says, hey, we're we're going to rebuild, and then they take a running back in round two. Uh, that just speaks to uh, the odd decision making of uh, you know, and, and I guess investing in that position and that, that that front office has made some weird decisions in recent years, like taking a San Diego state running back uh, in round one uh, in Rashad Penny and then not playing him. So they're really odd when it comes to investment and draft capital. And then how they actually, I guess it's a good thing that they don't care about capital after they invest it. I guess they're learning. uh, They want to just start the best players, but that doesn't even make me feel better necessarily about Kenneth Walker uh, and being a long-term kind of fit. I do think he's going to have a good early career where he could be a running back too for fantasy. Uh, but I don't think, you know, that he's just going to plug in and automatically be uh, Marshawn Lynch because he's wearing a Seahawks uniform, you know? So, yeah, I, I think, great. Running back two in the class because of the opportunity and capital. Um, and I think he has more receiving skills than we saw him demonstrate in college because of the schemes that he was in. And they didn't neither ask the running backs to, to do much in that regard. I think he has the skills to do it. But I just don't think his ceiling is running back one, uh, you know, top 12 kind of running back um and so that's that i'm not super excited to draft him ahead of most of even the the top tier wide receivers yeah so he is going as a second running back off the board but to your point what you just said there well actually no excuse me uh he's going fourth overall 
Uh, we've got Drake and Garrett going ahead of him from the wide wide receiver position. So so let me ask you that same let's run that same exercise. Uh, let's say you have the one hundred and four, um, mm-hmm. or let's just say you're guaranteed. Like, you have Kenneth Walker. You inherited Kenneth Walker. What would you be willing to trade him for? Um, some veteran quarter, uh, veteran running backs that you might, um, you know, might try to s- sneak a trade ar- ar- around them because you can you can you can sell a nice story with Kenneth Walker. Same. So the same exact player set that we went over earlier, I'd probably all, for the most part, prefer all of them over Kenneth Walker. You know, like all so, the guys that are 24, 25, 26, I'd rather have them. because J.K., think, Dobbins, yeah, Aaron Jones, Saquon. Yeah. Maybe not Aaron Jones just because there's there's a bit of concern about, uh, you know, what percentage of the workload he's going to have this year and beyond. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like all the injury-prone, concerned guys, you know, McCaffrey and – uh, Barkley and even Dobbins coming off the in- injury. And I think I'd probably prefer them to 1.04. Um, yeah, actually, honestly, no, the, the real answer is I would rather take uh, one of the top elite wide receivers but if I had to trade, if I, you know, if it was just like basically Kenneth Walker for those guys, I would, I would prefer the, the other running backs. Yeah. I, uh, I had one of my Debbie depleted drafts over the weekend and Kenneth Walker was like far and away. Like it was Kenneth Walker and Jamison Williams were basically my selection options and Kenny Pickett um, at the 101, uh, which I had traded for. Um, and I didn't like I didn't like my options. I'll just say yeah. that. Um, but yeah, a, a pr- pretty big drop off between Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. But both of those guys, like I said, going in the top five. Then we have uh, the second half of these guys that, uh, that went in order. We have James cook and Rashad white. Um, of course, James cook, um, landing in Buffalo and Rashad white in Tampa Bay. I know you were pretty excited about the Rashad white landing. Um, you've, you've talked about him quite a bit. Uh, I was gonna say this off season, but even just last season when we were breaking down games. So I, I know you like Rashad white, the player. How do you feel about his location? How do you feel about his outlook? Um, people may forget that Ronald Jones is no longer in Tampa Bay. It's just Leonard Fournette. Uh, so, so how do you feel about that? And, um, and then what are you doing with uh, cook in Buffalo? So I, I really like uh, Rashad white uh, as a prospect and uh, I liked him throughout college and had him in all of my college education leagues. And uh, I'm fine taking him ahead of James cook. I'm fine taking him ahead of most round two rookies. Um, and so I, I believe that he's immediately, just because of the opportunity, one of the best and most valuable handcuff options out there. And I also think that he's a much better, I mean, I know Fournette has demonstrated that he can catch and has done that well, but I think that Rashad White is a better weapon in that regard uh, than he is and is much more elusive than Fournette is, especially at this point in his career. And so if they want a 27-year-old plus uh, Fournette to stay healthy throughout the full season. He'll be 28 by the time the playoffs start. Uh, they're going to want to have him involved. And so I think there's going to be windows this year if Fournette misses any time whatsoever that White's just going to smash and, and is going yes. to immediately demonstrate that, hey, I am the heir to this backfield and I'm already uh, you know, just independently valuable um, in any given week with some PPR for value. So I, I like him quite a bit and maybe – you know, some people would argue James Cook should go because the team took him earlier or whatever. But I like Rashad White uh, as an athlete. He's got way better size 
and he's actually even more athletic than than Cook is, uh, and he's bigger. So, um, yeah, Rashad White's my running back three in this class, and it's not really close. Yeah, um, I like that as well, and I think uh, to your point, uh, no running back, very few running backs play all seventeen games anyway. Um, mm-hmm. You know that Rashad White is going to have two or three weeks where he is going to be um, given the opportunity to give you an RB one week. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be able to get him pretty late. And and I think moving forward, he's a long-term play as well. I feel better, honestly. I, I think I feel better about Rashad White's long-term outlook than, than Kenny Walker's. Uh, and maybe that's crazy. But I no, just don't, I don't think, I don't think it is. Honestly, I it, it's only the capital difference and the fact that the Seahawks will probably feed Walker earlier a more significant chunk. that, But a much have... worse offense. A much right. worse offense. Right, and so... I think I, I I would I would bet that two years from now, Rashad White is is valued higher than Kenneth Walker. But that's not what we care about as much with running backs. We just want to we want them to smash immediately, and that's why right. Rashad might not go off for you. So people are taking him in the second round, whereas I'm fine taking him on that uh, one two turn, which might sound crazy to some, but in this class, that's where we are. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're wide receiver needy. Um, let's uh, take a look at the rest of the guys um, from the third round. We've got uh, Tyrion Davis Price and Brian Robinson. Um, they did not, they, let's see, they um, drop a little bit. Um, it looks like Damian Pierce, Isaiah Spiller, um, even Zamir White are all going ahead of them. Brian Robinson is your RB8 down at uh, 27th. Uh, TDP is all the way down at 29th. Um, yeah, Algier is oh, even ahead going. of him. At, at, yeah. at, and San Francisco, we've seen, I think the fear with TDP um, is that there's such a crowded running back room there. But the reason that makes us nervous is because we've seen random dudes pop and he could be that random dude. He could be that guy that given the opportunity, obviously they haven't been satisfied with what they've been getting or they've been dealing with injuries. And it's hard for me to imagine, just like I can't imagine Penny staying injured. Mostert's not staying injured. I mean, not staying healthy. Um, So, so TDP in this, in this room um, makes, could make it intriguing, an intriguing late round flyer. Um, And then Brian Robinson, um, going to, um, why can't I find him on here? Brian Robinson is going at yeah, 27th, yeah. um, RB eight, um, and, and to the commanders who, again, tough landing spot behind. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but I mean, he'll be getting maybe what goal, goal line work. Is that what people maybe. are hoping for with him? Maybe. I don't know. I, I, they just need what they needed is some Antonio Gibson insurance. Because what they mm-hmm. had behind him last year was virtually nothing. And they realized that, hey, we've got a bunch of scat backs and then our one feature. Yeah, McKissick, We need somebody yeah. that can actually take on any work if something just falls apart. But I don't think he's going to be you know, independently valuable as a 1B to Antonio Gibson. Right. He's just not good. He, he's, you know, he, got that, he got the Bama bump and got some capital, which is cool. I mean, Tyron Davis-Price, he got the LSU bump because, you know, SEC back, whatever. Just a terrible, stupid pick, uh, taking him <laughs> that early. Um, oh, I know. Especially but, when you look at some of the other names that went, like the fact that Ty Chandler went yeah. as late as he did. Um, yeah. I would have I mean, much rather waited three rounds and just grabbed him. Or, or not to mention the, the better, I mean, the better decision to take literally any other position at that slot. Right. 
yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. But, you know, the, the 49ers have, have been really great at drafting running backs lately, right? For, <laughs> with Trey Sermon and that, that working out. And then like, hey, we're going to take Elijah Mitchell and then give him all the touches, kind of. But then draft somebody in the third round the next year to replace yeah. him? What? I don't, so I, I think ridiculous. there's just so much uncertainty with that backfield. And it's been so frustrating because there's so many injuries and no one knows who is going to be the guy. And I still don't know. And that's why I don't care about him. I, yeah. I'm fine taking him in round three, I guess, where he's going because – it's. I don't think I've ever seen uh, a day two back go as late as he's going. So in in that regard, he's. I think in, in terms of trades now, because a lot of rookie drafts are completed. Um, I, I, I think he's going probably in trades worth more. Uh, I think you could get more than like a future third out of him just because of the implied. Hey, look, he's he's got this capital. If you're trying to immediately turn somebody that you drafted late in a, in a rookie draft, because like when you really think about it. Hey, should a day two running back be the equivalent of like a future third round pick or, or late third round pick? No, probably not. He, he probably should be worth more. Um, yeah. So if you can add some capital in a future draft after you just take him because he fell to you uh, in round three, late round three, I would do that rather than just trying to bet on him having some value. Um, I just keep on moving out, trying to get to more, you know, safer valued assets that are just, you know, the picks that you're trading him for aren't going to lose value. So if you can immediately turn right. him for more than what you drafted him for in a future draft, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Might be hard to find a trade partner, but, but if you I can. think there are, there are some people, I mean, like just this week, I mean, like we just talked about this before we hit record. I traded Wandale Robinson for Tom Brady because I had a Kentucky fan in my league, you know, like right. yeah, you just fish for that fish for the SEC bias fish for an LSU fan, whatever it is in your league, um, fish for somebody who's 100% tied to capital uh, and an analytically minded person. You never really know, like until you actually just fish around for it and see what you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody just may not have had picks in that range in your league and did not take it. So uh, you got to pay attention to all those intricacies uh, and details in, in your league with your league mates. Yeah. Um so some of the next few guys that we have off the board. Um, so the uh, fourth round guys um, in the NFL draft were Pierce, Zemir White, Spiller, Pierce Strong, and Hassan Haskins. Um, they're kind of all over the place here. But we've got um, at the kind of the middle, the back half of round two is where we're seeing RB5 and RB6 go right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's Isaiah Spiller at five Pierce is RB six. And then just a couple spots after that RB seven is, is Amir white at pick 23. So he's kind of closing out that the end of the second round, which of these guys do you like? I have heard so many people talking about Damian Pierce, not because they know crap about him, but just Mm -hmm. well, Houston's terrible. They have nobody there. Surely he can, he can win that job and do something. And maybe, they're, maybe Houston's not as terrible as we think they're going to be. Maybe, um, maybe Brandon Cooks and Davis. Wait, what's now? I can't even think of his name. Will, who's no, it? Nico Wills? Collins? No, no, the quarterback. Why? Oh, Davis Mills. Davis, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe he is something. So, so what do you think of these guys? We've got Spiller to the Chargers, Pierce to Houston, and then Zamir White to Vegas. Oh. Again, I think we're looking at the back end of the second round. For the most part, I mean, I, I think we're just, you know, if you, uh, whenever it was, two years ago when Jonathan Taylor came in and people were 
people that had no idea what they were what they were talking about were like, well, how do we know he's just going to come and take the job? Like Marlon Mack's still there, and I just remember laughing so so hard because like really Marlon Mack. Uh, but yeah. even two years later, here we are, and I'm like, you know what? Actually, Marlon Mack versus Damian Pierce. Uh, yeah, that uh, yeah, that's probably just a committee. Uh, that's not a uh, automatically Damian Pierce's job because. Uh, similar capital initially, like fourth round kind of picks. Uh, Marlon Mack was actually a, a, a pretty good athlete. Damian Pierce had a solid speed score at his size, but did virtually nothing at Florida. Graded out pretty well because he was competing, uh, you know, just trying to work with some really shoddy offensive line play. So if doing anything, he looked good. Um, but yeah, I, I think just automatically handing him this feature back workload <laughs> uh, because I think a lot of people are taking him even higher than his current average draft data implies. I've seen him go like at that two, round one and two turn, which is just really rich for a, uh, you know, day three back. Um, so I don't like that at all. If you're having to take him in the you know middle of the second round, that, that's kind of a weird pick. Um, I'd rather have Isaiah Spiller, uh, even if the situation is immediately not, uh, as conducive for early work. Um, and I'd rather have even probably Zamir White, uh, given his pedigree and ability uh, that he once flashed prior to the eight, two ACL tears. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think I don't like any of this crew. And um, I would actually probably opt to take like a John Mechie in, in the similar range or a Trey McBride tied in in the similar range, because uh, or even like uh, like a Wandell Robinson or even like one of the, you know, the second quarterbacks dropping that far, you know, consider one of those guys instead. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, I do think Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller could have um, some standalone value this year. I know Austin Eckler is um, everyone's, he's high up on everyone's board um, going into this, this season, but uh, it's, it's been a long, like, Trusting on Eckler's health is not worked out most seasons. So um, I, I think there's a reason why Justin Jackson was rostered and drafted in so many leagues last year. Um, the same reason why Isaiah Spiller, I think, holds some yeah. value. Um, instead of going yeah. through all the other running backs here, I, no, I will name them all. Um, I'd, I'd love just to hear uh, just if, what I'll specifically ask you about at least one of them. But then just um, any thoughts. We've got Pierre Strong and Haskins, who I just mentioned before. But then in, in uh, the fifth round, we had Algier, Snoop Connor. Uh, Ford, Kyron Williams, and Ty Chandler. Um, a lot of these guys are not even getting um, drafted, you know, in in three or four rounds. So uh, any of those guys that you want to talk about, I, I definitely would like yeah. you to talk a little bit about Tyler Algier out of um, BYU, who is now playing for Atlanta. It's a big back, 5'11", 224 is what uh, we have listed here. Um, I see him going really early, and I just don't understand why. Um, so maybe you can explain that to me, or maybe you're like, no, I agree with you. Um, him being drafted uh, as the RB nine, yeah. Is, Falcons are another is, team is that's crazy. They're clearly in rebuild, you know. And so, uh, let, hey, let's get another body to put in the backfield. Like that's not like, hey, let's take this fifth round guy and then give him a feature back workload. Like, like if they have to again, they're just going to put you know Cordero Pat Patterson back there again because he's probably going right. to be better. Uh, Damian Williams is still there <laughs> and uh, they've got other bodies in that backfield, but it's, it, it's like, Hey, they, they drafted him and I kind of liked that him. I, I kind of liked him pre-draft. And so I'm just going to rank him high and take him high so I can look smart uh, later on. But realistically um, he's a low percentage bet to have significant uh, workload ever. 
Um, just historically speaking, that's just objectively true. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not really super interested in him again. I'd rather take a shot on, on a quarterback in that range. I'd rather take a shot on wide receivers. And frankly, I'd rather go a different direction. Like I'd rather take uh, a bet on like the capital uh, of like a Brian Robinson who's going around that range or even after in many drafts um, or even at this point, maybe a Tyrion Davis price. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. Like I just hate that spot. That middle of the round round three is where the, the value really starts to disappear in this draft. Um, and so I'd rather, uh, you know, take backs later on, but Hassan Haskins, I think has some fun intrigue because, uh, if Derrick Henry does miss any more time this year, um, there was some value from guys that, you know, were not rostered anywhere by anyone last year, Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman. And I think Hassan Haskins, what he did being the lead back from Michigan, uh, since, you know, late fall 2019 on and, uh, you know, having, almost 30 carries inside the five last year for Michigan. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a touchdown scoring machine if given the opportunity. So very, very valuable. And he's going, you know, into round four in a lot of leagues. So uh, that's, that's the back that I'm, I'm targeting later on because he's got that feature back kind of size and uh, that scoring ability. So uh, I like, I like him as a value a lot, but I mean, I talked to Scott Connor about this on his show dynasty and chill here recently, but this is a great class to just take a bunch of stabs in the late round three, late round four that cost you virtually nothing. And you could get three or four weeks of smash kind of value off of somebody just because somebody else is hurt. I mean, like there's, I mean, we don't want to ever see that happen, but that, that does at the running back position. So, you know, guys like Jerome Ford, guys like Ty Chandler, uh, guys that cost virtually nothing, late fourth round picks, could uh, return some value this year or next for your rosters and be one of those end of the bench kind of stash players. Yeah, uh, know your league formats, of course, because if you can only hold so many players, you might be dropping them before you can use yeah. them. But um, yep. let's take a quick break and then we get back. We'll uh, we'll talk about wide receiver, which is a super fun position, and then finish off with tight end. Uh, we'll be back with you in just a moment. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we're back, Travis. We get to hit uh, probably our favorite position to talk about on this show um, talking from a, a, a dynasty and Debbie perspective and even college to Canton, uh, we get to get to see those wide receivers flash. Um, and it's always a lot of fun. Um, were you surprised? So in the first round, we saw London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, and Traylon Burks. Uh, those were all first round picks. Did any of those surprise you or did the order surprise you? Did, did, did anything kind of catch you off guard other than maybe your team uh, basically trading AJ Brown for Burks <laughs> like that took place. I still don't really yeah. know how you feel about that. I don't still know a month later how I feel about that either, but <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was the biggest surprise. Not that Treon Burks went in the first round, uh, but um, yeah, a lot of people have talked about that and there's already been concerns about his conditioning uh, at, at Titans practice, which is not great. Um, but, you know, I, I I love rookie wide receivers, but almost always I'd probably prefer just betting on a more established option. Um, but I'm willing to take a shot on three players um, right away, maybe maybe four wide receivers right away, you know, just investing in their immediate impact. And I think Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave even, uh, Traylon Burks by default, all four of those guys have the potential to show up and be the wide receiver one for their team uh, immediately. So I'm not really looking to trade those guys away, but after those guys, like it, even if, I mean, I love Jameson Williams, but um, it, I'm not seeing immediate return. So if I happen to have drafted him in my, in my rookie draft, just because he fell to me and uh, I wanted to invest in a, in a capital high capital wide receiver. I just don't typically, and I'm not saying again, I really like Jamison Williams, but like I, I like my rookies to hit early. And so I would rather move off of somebody that loved Jamison, move off him for somebody that, uh, you know, loved Jamison Williams and, and the ceiling that could be for something safer. Um, I, I just haven't found myself having drafted him this year yet. Me neither. Because uh, I have a bunch of late firsts in this class where I have no firsts in this class <laughs> personally. Um, yeah, that was, by, ahead. <laughs> that, was, that was by design two years ago. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, if I, if I did draft him, I would be looking for, you know, to trade him away for an instant impact kind of player instead. So it's interesting because, uh, two of the top three guys, um, wait, yes. Um, uh, two of the top three guys since the draft, um, their team has brought in uh fresh blood. Uh, well, maybe not so fresh, uh, but <laughs> new blood. Um, the, the, the Falcons brought in Raiders, a former Raiders. Um, I think we liked Edwards here too. I think, did, I mean, I know I did. Everyone did. And, and so, so they brought him in, which I thought was a great move. Uh, like they got him for like a fifth round pick or something, or maybe a seventh round pick. I, I don't yeah. even remember, but they got him cheap. Great move uh, for the Falcons. Um, and then the the Saints for Olave, they, they bring in Jarvis Landry. 
so we've got Michael Thomas coming back. We've got Jarvis Landry, uh, Marquez Callaway. I'm just teasing. <laughs> he doesn't scare me. Um, but uh, do you worry at all, uh, or, or not worry, has your mindset changed at all on, on, the, on those players with the, the moves that have been made? Or do you still think it's going to be um, pretty quick success for both those guys? Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty quick success for both those guys. I don't care. I mean, I, I, I do care a little bit that uh, it's, you know, the targets for Drake London are going to be coming from Marcus Mariota uh, or Desmond Ritter uh, early on. Uh, that's not ideal for efficiency purposes. Um, but I do think that I, I, I have no problem projecting them to be the wide receiver one on their team. And, and Kyle Pitts, I mean, he's still going to be a, a tight end one, but I think he and London can both eat and just basically be the team for Atlanta. Garrett Wilson, I have no concerns. Chris, Chris Olave, they just, the Saints just realized, hey, we cannot let our wide receiver core get down to that garbage ever, ever again. And so that's yeah. why they added some help. You know, even if it comes in the form of a, you know, on the on the back nine kind of wide receiver with, with in Jarvis Landry, he's going to be that, what he's been in his entire career, that short to intermediate yeah. range kind of security blanket. Uh, but the kind of wide receiver that, that uh, you know, Jameis likes to target, is Chris Olave like that that explosive downfield deep threat that he can be that he was uh, for three years at Ohio State uh, and for those that that uh, disagree with you know Chris Olave being an elite deep threat um, I would advise you know actually looking at his usage and how he basically scored 20 touchdowns on uh, targets of 20 more yards in three seasons which is I think ahead of all of college football in that range <laughs> um, and so yeah he was an incredible intermediate to deep uh, receiving, uh, receiving kind of player. And a lot of people are like, well, what about his yak numbers are really low. Uh, he had a, an incredibly high percentage of his targets that landed in the end zone. And his, yeah, uh, I guess it was 2019 season. Uh, and so it kind of skewed his career yak numbers, but he can definitely do that too. He's a really well-rounded player. He every, every bit deserved the, the, the capital that he got. I know it surprised people that he went that high, but I mean, Matt Wispay would agree with this as well, but he deserved yeah. that range of investment. I, it's interesting that you bring up the surprise. I, I think people are surprised because when the Saints moved up, everyone in the world thought they were moving up from a league. And then because they drafted a wide receiver, that mm -hmm. that kind of that that narrative plays into the shock around um Chris Olave being drafted. It wasn't I don't think it was that he was drafted there. It was that just that scenario around it because everyone's like, well, they need a quarterback. Um mm -hmm. because I, I do think Olave went exactly where we would have projected him to go. So yeah, um, I think what, it what works. We're thinking on... late first. So yeah. I, and I think I, I, I was thinking he would be yeah. mid, mid, mid to early first. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on Jahan Dotson? I want nothing to do with this guy. I want nothing to do. And maybe it's just because I'm terrified of the uh, quarterback situation. Um, I don't know. What, should I be a little bit more optimistic? Yeah, I think uh, he's a first-round wide receiver. Um, and the team uh, looks at Terry McLaurin, and they're like, you know, uh, we don't like this wide receiver market. And so they weren't the only team that started getting uh, players that fit the archetype of their wide receiver one as a potential replacement if they couldn't bring the guy back. <laughs> uh, they That's exactly what they did, because he has a lot of similar skills to uh, Terry McLaurin. Um, and so, yeah, Dotson is probably not going to be the wide receiver one for the team right away, but he – is immediately the wide receiver too. Uh, and that wasn't great last year when they were messing around with the gross quarterback situation that they had. 
But Carson Wentz actually last year did some good things for the Colts wide receivers value. And as, as much as we like to hate on him, he's not terrible uh, in terms of uh, hitting his wide receivers for fantasy purposes. Um, so he hasn't propped up three options, I think, at any point in his career, but he has propped up two fantasy viable options before. And so I think we could see early returns on Jahan Dotson. I have him ranked ahead of uh, a lot of the guys that uh, people are reaching for, like uh, you know Christian Watson, George George Pickens, you know the crazy fun like height speed freak guys uh, that are sexier. Um, I would rather just take the, the PPR value of Jahan Dotson maybe by year two. Um, and, and I, I liked him even, you know, pre-draft and you know that. So yeah, I, I, I don't really have a problem with him. I liked him pre-draft a lot more than I liked him post. Yeah. The Linux spot's I think not that's, great. I get it. I, yeah. I, I get it. It's just, he shouldn't be a first round NFL wide receiver going in the second round of rookie drafts is <laughs> bad process. And that's what's happening. Yeah. And, and Dotson is, I didn't mention it before he is, um, his ADP has him as the as the first pick in in the second round, um, mm -hmm. right before uh, David Bell. Uh, so kind of moving on uh, to like away from those first round guys. Uh, David Bell was not a day uh, two guy. No, no, he was day two. He went in the end of the third round, yeah. I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine um, wide receivers that we haven't talked about yet drafted um, before him in the real draft. Yeah, he is going ahead of all of them. Um, David Bell going 14th overall. Uh, what are your thoughts on this as a wide receiver 10? I don't know what I think. I, I'm not even sure what's happening in Cleveland from a uh, quarterback perspective. So it's hard to be excited about uh, wide receivers. Um, doesn't have great draft capital, but not terrible. He had a pretty rough um, combine. Uh, I think I'm faster than him, and I can't even run right now. Um, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Uh, I think David Bell was somebody who was uh, the whole community was high on because of his early production and breakout at Purdue. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I am a Purdue grad and I am a bit of a homer when it comes to him and I've have my Purdue goggles on most of the time. Uh, but uh, I think he very, very well deserves this kind of range of investment uh, based on his production profile and what he, how he went. Like we all knew he wasn't crazy quick. Like that's not surprising, like for NFL standards anyway. Uh, but I don't really have a question about his game from a film perspective and how he stacks defenders and his ball skills and how he can actually separate on, on short routes and in tight quarters. And like, I, I just, uh, from all angles, analytically and film wise, there are a lot of things to like And the athleticism knocked him down. Uh, but I think he should have been a second round pick ahead of the 25 year old Velas Jones and ahead of uh, the the uber athletic, but completely un uninteresting and, and do nothing Alec Pierce uh, that the Colts took. And, and so, yeah, it, it, and, and the one trick pony Tyquan Thornton, who the only reason he had capital that he did is because he ran a four, two, eight, 40, like just really strange decisions were made uh, ahead of him. So yeah, I think bell, this is, you know, early second round might be a little early, but I think uh, that's not far off. Yeah, I misspoke earlier. Um, there are a couple other guys going ahead of of David Bell that that we didn't um, talk about. Uh, three are going. Um, there, there's three in a row, kind of to close out the first round. We've got Sky Moore, then Christian Watson, and then George Pickens. Sky Moore to Kansas City, Watson to Green Bay, and Pickens to Pittsburgh. Uh, 
thoughts on these guys. Um, Sky Moore got a lot of buzz. Uh, a lot of people were hoping he would land at Kansas City. People thought that could be super fun, and then he does. Christian Watson, mm-hmm. um, again, uh, out of North Dakota State, not not many of us knew a whole lot about him, and then he just had a phenomenal uh I don't say postseason, but you don't call it that. Just the whole yeah, draft, draft season, process. Yeah. Pro- it was phenomenal for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely made him a lot of money. And then um, uh, finally, we have um, George Pickens, who we barely got to see at the end of, of the year last year after that brutal injury. So what do you think about these guys? I actually um, I actually like Sky Moore and Christian Watson quite a bit. Um, George Pickens, I'm just not so sure of. Uh, what are your thoughts? If Christian Watson didn't have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, would he still no. in- intrigue you a lot? No, and 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 that's why I I I, I uh, in one of my auction drafts um, I got Watson, and then afterwards I was like, well, that feels like a he better hit quick because I'm probably yeah. not gonna have use for him for very long. Yeah, I mean, how long do we think Aaron Rodgers is a is a Packer? Like one or two like, years? Yeah, like every, every once, uh, yeah. Um, it's just every off season, like there's some drama about like, yeah. oh yeah, he's gonna be in Denver or whatever, you know, <laughs> he's not gonna be there yeah. now. But like it's just like there's something. Uh and so that's just a weird mess. And I know that it's it's very lazy for you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say, Well, Rogers doesn't do well with, you know, rookies and whatever. And you know, looking back, even like with Devontae Adams, like there's some truth to that. Um but I yeah, I, I think that somebody's going to catch passes this, this year and Christian Watson might be one of those guys who has like his best career year ever be his rookie and right. second rookie year maybe. And then he just yeah. never does it again. Like pull an Eddie Royal and just disappear. <laughs> like, and, and that's, that's fine because you can turn and burn, uh, turn and right. turn, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. You know, just draft him because he's t- attached to Aaron Rodgers And the, like after he does anything, Oh, he's young wide receiver trade him for like some, somebody who's way better than he is. And there's a long list of players that are, um, and yeah. so, uh, from, from that perspective, like I'm taking him based on value that I'm going to immediately get rid of anyway. Yeah. Uh, after his first, hopefully he has like a two touchdown, 120 yard game week one, and then I will flip him for a first round. Yeah. Pick. <laughs> so that's, that's why you take Christian Watson. If you have him on your team already, um, it's a really bad bet. Uh, frankly, just historically, I mean, but what about Cooper cup? I mean, it, exactly. Like there's just not that often, do we see uh, an FCS kind of player ever do anything uh, at this level at, at, at anymore at all? Like, it's just, it doesn't happen, especially guys that, okay, well, he's cool. He's flexible and athletic. That's fine. But he really, I mean, he's an athlete, but he didn't really do much outside of like just simple deep stem routes against future accountants at North Dakota State, you know? So right. um, he, he did nothing against no one ever other than the senior right. bowl weekend where he was playing a bunch of older players in one-on-one situations that are designed to make the wide receivers dominate. And so, yeah. Uh, really, and he's not all that young himself. He's 23 no. years old. Yeah. And so it's just, he's an old rookie. He's an old FCS rookie tied to a quarterback that is, is apparently leaving his team every off season. Um, <laughs> who's old. So I don't know. It's just, yeah. I, I I'm fine taking him to turn him, but, and so I'm sorry if you've already drafted him, but he's probably not going to return uh, elite level production that you want out of that kind of pick because he's going right pick eight. I'm, I'm seeing pick nine and a lot of drafts. And that's just historically speaking, not the right decision. 
Right, right. And, and George Pickens, do you think he in Pittsburgh? I mean, we talked about. I mean, they brought in Austin. They they drafted Austin as well, bringing in two wide receivers that that uh, we were talking about. Maybe maybe are they also the heir apparents to to the boys they've got in town? Uh, not not sure if they're going to be able to re-sign Claypool and Deontay. Yeah, that was it was funny because you know Chase Claypool actually was the guy who made the the, the selection. He read off the George Pickens selection. Hey, with this pick, my replacement. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if, if they don't, uh, if he doesn't, just settle down and sign for a reasonable amount because the wide receiver market has has reached just it's, absurd yes. levels. Uh, yes. And so maybe that I, it's probably not going to tone down either. So Claypool is completely overrated. Um, has been uh, ever since that one like crazy I was that like four 40, touchdown game. Yeah, that, yeah, which is the only good game he's ever had. Like I think yeah. he's had one wide receiver one game since then. Maybe maybe two. I actually so, had him in DFS that week though, and so yeah, I so kinda, that's etched into your it. brain. <laughs> he was yes. on your roster that one week that he just went off. Yeah. He was etched in your brain. It's hard to detach from the fact that yep, he's been a drama queen and, and not very good since then. So, um, yeah, uh, Steelers probably part ways with him and Pickens is given a shot to be that immediate replacement. Uh, but even, even if that is the case, um, you know, he's, he's, in, he has his own questions. Like he had that crazy impressive true freshman breakout. Uh, like he, I think he was already like 30% receiving dominator at age 18. Um, and then he has struggled his sophomore year with Dewan Mathis throwing the ball. Oh, and then, I like, forgot and then, about that. And a frankly underdeveloped at that point, Stetson Bennett. Um, and then looked a lot better with JT Daniels. But they missed it almost the entire season this year. Just a really hard eval because when yeah. he was healthy, he was really only asked to run a bunch of curls and goes. Like that was it. Like almost his entire route tree that he was utilizing was curls, comebacks, goes. Like all vertical routes, then nothing else. Like just simple. So I have no idea how he's going to be utilized at the pro level. But he's a lot more raw than than we typically see a uh, an early selection like this be. Um, mm-hmm. And team big wide receiver doesn't have a whole lot of hits lately. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's right but that you know and so that's that's weird like to me that he's going just so obviously ahead of Jahan Dotson in all my all my drafts um, and so like if, I don't know I, I would prefer Dotson or a lot of safer options other than just taking a shot on Pickens maybe replacing Claypool like that's just it seems it, it, there's a lot that has to happen I guess still yeah I'm not so and, and I like him I really do it's just I Maybe I'm just I'm just being Mr. Wet Blanket on everybody today. Sorry. That's okay. Because um, I'm usually too optimistic on people. We still have a ton of wide receivers to get to. Yeah. Um, I think we might want to do... Most of them suck, an, so... I think we might need to do <laughs> just another show talking about wide receivers here pretty soon. No, nope, the rest of them suck anyway, so we're good. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by, by Jalen Tolbert. Yes. Um, why he am I wrong? No, actually, he doesn't suck. Okay. He, he's actually pretty good. <laughs> he was very good for South Alabama at a very young age. I think it was his second season. He accounted for 26% of uh, the receiving production and was the first wide receiver in program history to have a thousand yards in a season, even though they weren't really passing a whole lot. Um, so mm. he was incredibly efficient, uh, dominating, dominating his lower level of play. But even when they played good teams, he would produce. So I like him a lot. I'm glad he got the capital that he did. He deserved to go day two. Um, and so, yeah, I think he's, he's a fun fun uh target because you know michael gallus had some injury issues and and uh you know amari cooper's gone so cd lamb's there but 
Uh, Jalen Tolbert could definitely work into uh, some value. Yet he's going after everyone we've talked about today in, yeah. in rookie drafts. So he's very cheap. Like when he, like, oh my gosh, like once you get down to that that tier of like Tyler Algier, Brian Robinson, and all that stuff, like he's still there uh, in a lot of leagues. Yeah. So I'd prefer, I would definitely prefer prefer him. Uh, definitely, I mean, like by far. Yeah, and I think one of the reason he, he he's sliding is because he's not he was not a household name. You know, people didn't know <laughs> didn't know who he was before the draft process. Uh, began. I know people who listen to our show did, but um, others didn't. What about John Mechie in Houston? We mentioned them earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. You got Brandon Cooks that that resigned there, but um, there's not a whole lot of there's not a lot of weapons in that um, in that shed. Yep, I, don't know I actually like that about, a lot. But I mean, Cooks is still going to get his a thousand yards and six touchdowns. But Mechie should, in in my opinion, be the, the wide receiver too immediately there, and uh, they're going to be playing from behind a lot, so he might have a lot more volume than we think at this point. And, uh, and end up being and we worth know he, more. Yeah, he knows the wide receiver two role very well on a team. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and I'm not. Yes, he does. Yeah, he's never <laughs> never been. I mean, he had more receptions per game, whatever, the, than Jameson Williams, but he wasn't the explosive guy. That's uh, so. But I mean, if you're going to be a wide receiver two or four to anyone, be a depth piece behind exclusively first round players. You know, right? Absolutely. <laughs> like Absolutely. Behind behind Jalen Waddle. Uh, Henry Ruggs, which that's that's falling apart, but Devontae no, Smith so and and you know Jameson Williams. Yeah. Like if you're going to be a second fiddle to somebody, be a be a second fiddle to a first rounder. So uh, and you know Brian Brandon Cooks is another first rounder, and and so he's probably going to be a second fiddle. That's fine, um, but I think he, that can that can give you some points. And honestly, I would be you know I would be actually surprised if Christian Watson outproduced John Mechie in year one. I'd be surprised if Wondell Robinson, if 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 George Pickens, if if even, I don't know, even like Traylon Burks maybe <laughs> saw wow. more year one receiving yards or receptions mm. than John Mechie. And that's not like saying I'm not trying to be hot takey. I'm just thinking like range of outcomes and projections based on the volume yeah. of their offense and surrounding <clears throat> targets. Yeah. Mechie is probably in that that range. So I think Mechie's going to be a nice, a nice cheap DFS option for me this year. Yeah, he's, um, he's, and he's going point. way late in all rookie drafts. So, yeah. Yeah, second round pick at any point. Uh, he's not a crazy bad value. Yeah. Um, which other names do you want to talk about? I'd love to hear your thoughts on um, Romeo Dubs uh, from Nevada going to Green Bay as well. Uh, could he be the wide receiver we should be targeting instead of Watson? He would be. <laughs> if we, he would if be we the want some Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah. He would be a, a fun player that. Uh, could end up being better than his overly hyped, uh, super athletic teammate in Christian Watson. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great pivot option. I think I've grabbed him in round four in a couple spots because that's where he's going. Uh, yeah. He's you know a round four wide receiver that costs virtually nothing. And of all the um, day three kind of players, I think I'm I'm more confident that he has uh, some market share availability uh, to be had. I mean, like even like with like Danny Gray, Eric Azukanma. Like Calvin Austin, Khalil Shakir, like all those guys. Like, I, I don't dislike the players, but the path to production, the, right. which is the only reason we're interested in Christian, Christian Washington again, um, is is there perhaps. So, I noticed you didn't mention Valus Jones. Do you just hate him because he's twenty five? 
No, I, I don't hate hate him. He's just he's not even a wide receiver. Like he's just he's a fun offensive weapon. It's, he, he's a return option, um, and was so for most of his career, and then exploded in one season in one of the most absurdly efficient uh, SEC offenses we've seen uh, this past year for uh, Tennessee Volunteers, which was cool. Um, and he and he blew he blew up at age twenty four, year six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. But that but, historically but, means absolutely nothing for his future hit rate. So, but there is no one outside of Darnell Mooney in Chicago yeah. available to catch yeah. passes, and so he'll probably have some some splash. There'll be like three splash weeks because he is really fast. Um, so you you hit him on a screen, and the defense is out of position, and you get a long touchdown. He'll have three of those this year. Yeah, I just so, think I mean he's going thirty fourth as a wide receiver, seventeen. Uh, to me, that feels like a there's a lot of value there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I guess like he was a wide receiver 14 in the in the draft, so it's not not too far off. Like when you think of it, yeah, the actual yeah. talent um, and players that actually play the wide receiver position um, and are like versatile in terms of their uh, route tree and what they actually did in terms of breaking out at an early age and actually being productive at any point in their career outside of year six. Um, it is funny, like when you look at, like he was teammates uh, with Michael Pittman, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Oh, and, yeah, at USC and, before he transferred. That's and, crazy. Yeah, and um, Drake London. Uh, I guess what season was that? They were all together. Twenty No, 2019? They were all on that team, and he had like four catches <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, yeah, if you're not going to produce, I mean, I guess have some NFL talent ahead of you like that. But um, – yeah, he had to leave town to ever do anything by like year five, yeah. six. So, um, yeah, he, he being a wide receiver too for the Bears isn't isn't super sexy, is it? Neither is being a wide receiver one apparently. Well, um, you know, Mooney was. You know, I actually like Mooney, and I think he 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 was a good prospect. I know Matt Matt Wispay, uh, you know, our commonly you know, your co-host and a common guest on the show. Like he really liked Mooney early on, and I, I think yeah, uh, he was undervalued mainly because he went to Tulane and they had a low volume passing attack when he was there. And so he had great metrics by like, you know, the adjusted like market share and yards per team pass attempt and everything that we like to see in terms of NFL future hit rate. And he can do a lot of things to win. So I think Mooney's a legit one. I mean, he's a legit, well, he should be a legit two, like a really good two, exactly. but they don't have yeah. one. And, but Velas no. Jones is, he's not going to be that though. So right. I think right. they just add another layer next year and bury him further and, so, I mean, it makes sense to me that he's going later. Like, I don't. Yeah. He's not. I mean, he might um, be a value this year. Cool. But I, I just hit yeah, long term. He's just not really even going to be a wide receiver, too, for them. Someone going just a little bit later um, is a wide receiver that was not even drafted. Um, he was picked up um, by the Chiefs. Um, and that's Justin Ross. Just a that's, hope and a prayer. Is that what people are taking in this late? At this at this point, people are like, do I really want to take Kyron Williams? I'll just take Justin Ross because he wants with something. We, I mean, we saw an eighteen year old, nineteen year old Justin Ross like dunking on people in like the national championship and like the college football playoff, like at the highest level, and then he vir- virtually retired from football because of the neck back issue, yep. and um, so it was always going to be risky. The medicals were always going to ding his his capital. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's worth a flyer. But should he be going ahead of a day two wide receiver at any point? Absolutely not. Except for maybe Tyquan Thornton. 
I'm just kidding. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I mean, <laughs> stumps you on that one because that yeah. one just doesn't, no one knows what to do there. No one um, knows what to do. Yeah. But let's finish up with tight end. Yep. Um, we had um, one tight end drafted in the second round, and that was McBride, uh, Trey yep. McBride, who you've been talking about for quite a long time. He ends up in Arizona, which um, not a bad landing spot, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Could be pretty fun, especially with Hopkins being out for the first um, six weeks or whatever. Um, they're they're going to need people to throw to, and he'll be uh, he and Ertz will have the opportunity to uh, to get involved pretty quickly. Um, but McBride, um, outside of, I, I'm pretty sure this ADP is not tight end premium. He is going at the end of the second round, um, pick 22 on average. Uh, does that feel about right to you in a non-tight end premium league? Uh, I would take him ahead of the entire running back tier that looks like they're handcuffs right now. Um, okay. But he's going after them. Uh, and so you would, every draft, that would put so. him closer to mid second round. Absolutely. Even in non-tight end premium. But that's mainly because I'm really high on, on Trey McBride. Uh, long term, I mean, he was the best tight end, most productive tight end in college football anyway, by a long shot, and was the reason I won championships last year in college leagues because I had him in every single one of my college that came leagues, <laughs> and he was just awesome. Like he was dominant. Um, like look, basically, like all his receiving metrics would be dominant for wide receivers, but he was a tight end, and so, and he's not just a one trick pony. Like he he can line up as an ex wide receiver in in line slot. He he does all of the roles you want a tight end to play. So he's the only guy I'm really interested in this class for fantasy purposes, which pains me to say, um, you know, I've, I've taken a, a few shots um, on like uh, Chig or Conquo, like for the, like as a late round flyer for the Titans uh, to be like their next Janu type, I guess. Um, and, you know, I pre draft because of Isaiah, Isaiah likely was intriguing, but he turns out to be really slow. <laughs> Johnny Woods right. was a huge fun six foot seven monster, but I'm not sure that the Colts even really want to use it use the tight end position. Yeah. Don't uh, they already much, have yeah. that tight end? Don't they already have a massive six foot nine dude? There? Gotta, yeah. Like a basketball player. Yeah. 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 But I mean, that he's going to be that guy. Yeah, a couple of cheap, yeah. cheap yeah. contract, but I'm not sure he's ever going to be more than like a splash tight end 15, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so that, that I like Dulcich. Yeah. And I he know, was actually really fun. Like he should be the tight end too, probably in the class. And he's my tight end too. And I don't mind him landing in Denver. Um, yeah, there's a lot of wide receivers in this room, but Albert O, yeah, people are people here in Denver are not sure, um, that he is the, the, like, yeah, they let George Fant go, um, in that, in that Russell trade, but, uh, no, no th- that wasn't, yeah. yeah, but that wasn't because they wanted, um, Albert O to, to take on a bigger role. Uh, word around here is he's not ready for, for, for a bigger role in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So Dulcich and him may end up splitting a lot of time. I also know that in, in Seattle, um, tight end, the, the, the Seahawks would line up with two tight ends quite, uh, quite often. So um, mm-hmm. I, I think we can see Dulcich out there quite a bit. Um, yeah, he another was like one a I like vertical the, threat. I mean, like, I mean, he yeah. had like 19 yards for reception or something crazy in his final season. And yeah, um, he was basically the, the de facto wide receiver one for them. Cause Kyle Phillips was like a, a Short, shifty, 60-plus kind of catch guy, but he wasn't like a dominant receiving threat. No. Like, Dulcich was nonsense up the scene. So, yeah, I, I like him yeah, as good, a lot. As a good hands. Too. And then I, I do like Kate Otten um, from Washington. He was their offense. We were talking about this before we, we started recording. How are we talking about Kate Otten? Ah, my goodness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, but yeah. I, 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 I kind of like him too. Now, of course, if... Um, 
if Gronk resigns, then maybe it's not as exciting. But if Gronk doesn't or Gronk can't stay healthy, um, we know what Tom Brady can do with that tight end position. And Kate mm-hmm. Otten, um is a receiving threat. Uh, he is. Um, that's what he does. <laughs> he is Speaking a of tight de facto end. wide receiver ones for their own team, he was kind of yeah. the, the favorite target for Washington um, in the COVID season and even in like small samples outside of that uh, when he was healthy. He struggled with health. But uh, when he was, he was basically their featured target. And um, yeah. he does a lot uh, really well. So first pick in the fourth round. So virtually a day two pick there. Uh, I think there, there's some low-key value. And he's going really late in, in most yeah, drafts. 40th so, overall. Yeah, so if you just snagged him as a, as a flyer, I wouldn't I, – oh, I, no, I know I've been talking sitch. about like looking to uh, you know move players for immediate value. Uh, if he does – produce uh at any point this season i wouldn't just dismiss that um mm. i would i yeah. would say that he he might actually stick on the roster and you know i mean it's it's seldom that we see a round four tight end kind of pan out uh, but dalton schultz uh, is a great example of this that's just a very well balanced tight end that does everything well um, can stay on the field and eventually be a, a tight end eight nine ten kind of guy for you and so i think that's that's very much in the cards for Kate Otten. Maybe not the most likely of outcomes, but very much so in the cards for somebody you can get vir- virtually free. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I was saying, uh, 40th tight, uh, 40th overall was Dulcich. Kate Otten, uh, I don't even see him on yeah, here. He's, so he's, yeah, he's, he's definitely like outside around four sometimes. Yeah. Unless it's tight end premium or I play in a two tight end league gets tight end premium and that's a real shit show. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we pretty much covered all the positions uh, and, yeah. and kind of some takeaways over undervalued guys, super wet blanket on some, I think we, I think we could, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That, that was the rookie takeaways, rookie draft season takeaway show. Ladies. Yes. And gentlemen. <laughs> I wish, I wish Khalil Shakir would have gone a little earlier and I wish he would have gone to green Bay. That's what I was hoping for, but it did not happen. So other than that, I was, yeah. I was, cause I was ready to, to ready to pump that up. huh? I was ready to like put my whole career at stake for that to happen. But, <laughs> um, that won't, that won't, yeah. that won't need to take place now, but it was good talking to you, Travis. Um, we're going to get back on a more regular schedule now. Um, kids are done with school. So my, my, that's crazy. This is the last week of school, uh, but my schedule opens up a lot more. So uh, we'll be able to, we we'll able to get some more podcasts in, but Sounds thank good. you guys so much for listening. Um, Travis, uh, what do you have coming out on, uh, on Rotoviz these next couple days, week? Well, I've been working on um, a new way to roll out the top 100 rookies and also uh, actually integrate some Debbie players in there for an, a separate piece uh, and then some QB metrics uh, that I've been talking about on a bunch of shows, uh, rolling that out here for Rotoviz. And then this summer, of course, going to be uh, taking an un- updated look at uh, you know the adjusted production index for wide receivers to predict draft capital and and production for uh, current college wide receivers. Um, and so that should be that should be a lot of fun. And then we'll we'll dig into a bunch of other Debbie fantasy football you know future projections all summer long. That sounds good. Um, if we have more time, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the whole uh, Nick Saban stuff, but we'll have to do that next time. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will catch you all soon. Again, give us a 
like or subscribe, rate, review, all the good stuff. It does help out a lot. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back with you shortly. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.